Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. If you're tuning in this week, uh, you're probably listening to last or two weeks ago episode where we kind of came in with a little bit of a hot take about a college. It is what it is. We're not going to apologize for it. Uh, it's, you know, the NES Experience. So today we're going to be talking about steroids because who doesn't like talking about performance enhancing drugs? But before we do that, we are going to be talking about the NES New England Class C champion Hamden Hall girls basketball team. And we'll also be discussing preseason All-American Lily Shoemaker and Luke Shoemaker, who is at the NFL Combine currently. So, Ned, you were at the New England Class C championship game. Uh, do you want to give us your thoughts on the championship game uh it was a great game obviously um, i'd rather have win rings and chips by blowing them out by 40 but it always it always doesn't go that way but no they did great um all the girls there's literally seven girls on the team uh and one is out jada with her acl so they have six players i mean it's they play the whole game they played you know, 30 plus minutes every game this season. They had to play yesterday, and although it was not the best team in the world, you still got to be out there running around. They got to recover their bodies. You know, they're they're going from 5 p.m. You got 18 hours, and you got to play the most important game of your life. So, when you look at the adversity with Jada going down with the injury, and all the things that had to happen for them to win i mean it's overcoming adversity <clears throat> i think that their off-season training and the hard work that they put in it allowed them to stay healthy for the whole season and i think a lot of the the girls on the team grew as people became little women and all of it kind of worked together when you look at the game it was contributions from every aspect from the best player on the team uh well team mvp for the game rain durant and uh you know you got awesome defense from Ivani, another nes girl they're all nes girls uh well most but um her defense was amazing and you know emma just what they had to do to to make it happen was it was hard they they i don't think at the beginning of the season when jada went down i don't think any but you know people were saying like oh yeah they're guaranteed lock so it was a great job proud moment uh awesome love it that's why i love my job uh you know it's always great watching little women uh you know just the the film itself is a fantastic work of art but yeah it really congratulations to uh hamden hall on winning a new england championship you know it is really one of the most difficult things you can do in high school from an athletic standpoint so uh great kudos to them uh another very difficult thing is just being an all-american in general and we have another nes athlete who has done that uh lily shoemaker do you want to uh kind of maybe talk on the process of what goes into that uh, well she is not an all-american yet she's a preseason all-american you must have read your paperwork wrong so it's an accolade. It's, it means that, you know, you're really good. <laughs> um, and it's an anticipation of, you know, what they think that you're going to do this year. 
So ironically, her brother is Mark, uh, and her other brother is Luke. So Mark, we talked about, I think two episodes ago and he's, you know, he now has like six offers, um, for college. And then Luke, who is the other brother, there's four, um, he is at the NFL combine right now. Um, it just, well, he just finished up his performance, but he did great. He was second in the broad jump overall, like with a 10, seven top 10 in the 40, uh, just a well, everything across the board. He, he basically checked all the boxes. His draft stock's going to raise. So, I mean, it's great to be a schoonmaker right now. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and his debt, their parents must be, uh, really happy, but it all goes down to, I mean, look, this family blessed with a, a wonderful genetic code, um, all tall, just at, they're all athletic. They're all athletic and they all work their ass off. So when you combine, you know, natural athleticism, a whole bunch of height and a work ethic and, you know, good surrounding parental that parents make good decisions, you know, it's, you're firing on all cylinders and they're seeing a whole bunch of success from that. Yeah. Work ethic is definitely one of the most important things. And yeah, definitely good to be a shoemaker at, at this uh this point in time i don't know if it's a shoemaker or a schoonmaker yeah a schoonmaker actually probably um you know just based on the pronunciation of you know uh boats i guess so our last episode was spring training on the baseball front we have a pitcher who also uh put in a pretty good performance do you want to talk about uh gambardella uh, G, uh, University of Maine. He's a freshman. He's doing great. He went today, three scoreless. I just got the videos in. Three scoreless, two hits, two Ks against Winthrop. And uh, he will be starting next Saturday against 18-ranked Maryland. So he's having a good year. Uh, his stuff is moving. He's been 90 to 92. And uh, now that he's on a... A bigger stage i mean i think he's i'm hoping that everybody starts to take notice how talented this kid is for sure yeah and this uh this episode is going to air a few days before he actually gets the start against maryland so if you're listening to this definitely tune into that that'll be a fun game to watch and that's really all we have for nes updates this week our main topic of discussion for this episode is going to be steroids it's always a topic that's hot in the streets, performance-enhancing drugs, PEDs. And what we're going to be talking about today, it's kind of a hot take, but I, I know Ned's had this opinion for a little while. He'll discuss it a little bit more in depth. But from a sports performance uh, point of view, you know we're all natural here at NES Sports Performance. The NES experience is an all-natural experience. But if your athletes are being accused of being on the juice, that's actually a great compliment. So we're, we're pro-steroid accusations, but we're not pro-steroid use here at the NES Experience. So Ned, a couple of your guys have actually been accused of being on the juice lately. Uh, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel great. It is really the ultimate compliment to... to for them to think that that means that it looks like that we've made some transformations. So when it, I mean, this has been going on for a while. 
originally, I think the if I go back in the NES database, um, Arkell was the first one where this happened. It was his sophomore year. He led the nation in rushing. He did everything he was supposed to do. He gained weight. He looked great. He was faster. Um, how could this skinny guy get big? Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, it became the big thing was everybody said Kel was on the juice. So when this first started happening, I was pissed off. I'm like, fuck them. This is bullshit. Why are they pissing in this kid's Cheerios? And I would just get so mad. And I was like, who are they? What are they saying? You know, and then when I, then it sunk in, or maybe I'm just old now. And now when people say it, I, it, to me, it makes me happy because, uh, we're not. And if they look like they do, that means that we're doing good things. So, um, but it's been happening. It happens for years. People, when people have success, um, the haters come out and because, why do they look like the way they do? Because they work their ass off. So the ones that are making the comments are the ones that didn't do shit. And, you know, that their their game is talking shit about other people. So a lot of the more you win, the more you get hated on. The more successful you are, the more, you know, people have comments and they like talked about you. So if you're being talked about, usually that means I don't know, you're doing something right. So but it happened with him. Dickie came to spring training one time when he gained, whatever, 20 pounds, 25 pounds on the offseason. And then the first thing they did was drug test him. Like, that's awesome. Love it. He The only supplements he takes are Thorn supplements. Maybe they should send me a banner or give me a call because I endorse them a lot. Um, but, yeah, all he takes is NSF certified, you know, legal stuff and for him to do that. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, but usually when a before and after pops, cause I don't put all the before and afters and everybody's like, Oh, do you video added? No, that's just, it is what it is. The extent of the cheating that we do with the before and after picks is we do a pump up before they go. Cause that's just dumb. If I'm, if I'm taking a topless picture of a kid, you, and that's pretty awkward Got to post it so thousands of people see it. I mean, the least I could do is let the kid bang out some curls and shit and get a little bit inflated. Now when people, and then you're saying, well, Ned, that's cheating. I mean, no, that's just like trying to be nice to the person who has to show their confidence and put their, you know, what they look like. Those those before picks, man, they, half of them look stoned. Uh, it's just rough. But you could see not only with the physical transformation, but... The way that they stand, the way that they look into the camera, what we're doing is, yeah, we're transforming bodies, but we're improving confidence. And confidence is, a, in my opinion, one of the most important aspects of athletics. So, we, yes, we get you throwing the ball harder and hitting and running faster and doing all these things and hitting people harder. But part of the reason why I think that that's happening, it's, it's getting kids to believe, especially kids who gain weight. Like, I could go out here and compete, and the more swag you got, I mean, pull every major league baseball player, football, basketball, go ahead and ask them. Like, it doesn't matter. You're a pitcher. Dickie, when he makes it, um, and he's going to go against Aaron Judge, I'll strike that motherfucker out. Aaron Judge, who the fuck is he? You can't go into it like, oh, man, shit, look at that guy. Like, you have to have that, and part of that, 
part of physically training and changing your body, it fuels into that. And you per, you're going to perform better as an athlete. And you have to, especially at the highest levels of, of athletics, you have to have that. The, the it, you have to have it or you're, you're done. So, Really quick, do you want to explain what NSF certified means for you know some of the listeners, just in case they don't uh, you know quite grasp some of the the supplement lingo? Uh, that means that the products are tested in a lab, and there they there is a guarantee that there are no performance enhanced enhancing drugs or illegal illegal substances in their products. So. A lot. Of, I mean, mo- supplements. People don't want to get this label because the companies that have it and to get the testing, it costs money. And your mainstream, most of your mainstream nutritional companies, nutrition stores, none of the stuff is. They're not. They don't want to pay for that label because they want meatheads to get all juiced up on high amounts of caffeine and unabsorbable creatine, beta alanine, and amino acids. So you don't see it um in those places but if i'm a professional athlete i don't want to risk i mean because depending on funny we're talking about steroids the the penalties especially in baseball no professional athlete wants to get busted it's just not a real good look and we're going to be talking about that today how some professional organizations are are, it's the worst thing you could ever do and others they kind of look away and don't care but it's it's a good thing to have when you're taking supplements to know that there is you know a zero percent chance that you're going to get busted for peds that's why we endorse thorn so much because the quality of the product the absorbability of the product and the reliance to know that you know we don't have anything to worry about yeah definitely it's really important you know especially if you're a college athlete you know high school really High school just doesn't really test, at least in my experience. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they have the facilities or capabilities to. Um, I've never come across it. But in college, there are definitely tests. So you want to make sure that you're taking supplements if you're just buying them over the counter that have that NSF label on them uh, for the most part. And you really want to make sure you're doing your due diligence because you don't want to there, there's a running joke about tainted supplements and stuff like that, but it is, you know, a reality for sure in some cases. Um, but we, we, we've talked about some of the, the past athlete accusations, you know, with, uh, with, I guess, Dickie and, and Cal, um, are there any, we're not going to mention names, but are there any current athletes that you have that have been accused of being on the juice? Yes, just go to my Instagram and look at every before and after picture in the past 12 months. That's the easy answer. Uh, And not all of them, but I don't know. Probably if I posted eight, probably four of the eight, three of the eight. So I don't really want you to go on there. I'm just saying that to answer the question, it's those. But uh, it's just your standard stuff people are mad don't like everybody else's success and they got to try and piss in your cheerios um but you know getting us back on track what i want to talk about is you know this whole steroid topic so why do people take them it's pretty easy um they work so i had to give you because a common thing that people say to me is you know do i have any of your athletes taken steroids and 
the answer is no one has ever admitted to me that they took steroids or that they're in the process of taking steroids outside of one adult client like 15 years ago who has taken HGH. I probably just broke a, broke a fucking HIPAA violation or something. But uh, he and he just I mean, he took it because he had low testosterone levels. Uh, but they probably weren't that low. He really took it to, to speed up his recovery time, make get bigger, look younger than he really was, and 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 get yoked. But um, you know that's the only time. And look, man, doctor said it. Oh, you're. I mean, I'm following the book, so it's whatever. Hey, it helped me get better results with him, so I'm fine with that. But the only athlete that it really, I have one story that that you know sticks out is. He was a uh, one of those marginal combine guys. So you have your uh, your top flight. You have your re, you know seventh round undrafted priority free agents. Then you have a tier below that, and then you have a tier below that, and that's kind of where this guy was. So his chances. I mean, he basically didn't have a chance to make the NFL, but he was talented enough to you know his high end would be the CFL. So or arena something like that but we were training and i'm just i'm just i that's all i've done has been in the boxes for however many years and when you have a system and you replicate it you just know like i'm gonna have this person to give you an example hamden hall football did their retests i know that it's march 1st i've had them for now three months in by doing this program that there's an expected level of improvement and it's it used to be two inches improving power and vertical jump, but because I do so much more jumping now in my program, because it has I've had a really good translation over to speed and power, now I get like a two to four inch increase. So all the guys that came in, they all improved their vert four inches. So you, when you have all of this data and then you see this guy come in and then you start looking at his numbers, you're like, hmm. Yeah, no, man, that's that's really, really abnormal. So to give you an idea, this guy came in, he was like, he was in the four nines, um, which didn't even put him on the map as far as 40 times. We do all this training, his end result was a four four nine, And I've had, I've never had a professional level athlete. At a, I've never seen that, that much of a jump. Um... And I can't count that because, you know, I can get a lineman, you can make bigger jumps, but you typically don't see somebody to creep into the 4-4s when they're almost a, a 5-0. <clears throat> so that was a red flag. The biggest one was his bench press. So his 225 pre-bench test was 5. And then when we hit it, uh, we hit it 10 days before the pro day, and he banged it out for 22. And he was only... I don't know, 185 pounds, and he's banging out it. He's banging it out for like what the linebackers and at that time, because all the numbers have shifted. Everything, everybody is bigger, faster, and stronger now than this. Whatever this was 15 years ago, but at that time, so that year, that year later, I had D linemen that were coming in at 17, 19, 20, and 22. So this guy now has D line. Oh, this is now the numbers more, you know, scaled and appropriate. Still ridiculous. You don't get DBs banging 185 pound skinny ass DBs banging 22. So my average improvement is eight. 
I know that if you come to me, you're gonna I'm gonna improve you, you know, six to ten reps. And then you have a this this plot on your graph that's like what? And his was a seventeen rep improvement. Um, which is I don't know, double and more. And then his vert, nine inch imp- he went from thirty to thirty nine. Thirty is like D two level borderline d3 level and 40 is nfl level so the end result of all this so i'm like i asked him i'm like because he's like ned the nes is the most well i was at velocity velocity is the best training in the history of training have you ever seen i'm like dude are you juicing and he was like why would you why would you accuse me of juicing and i'm like because i mean velocity ain't this good it's like this is absurd. I'm like, you look like a completely different human. I'm like, it's fine. Like, it's it's this point in time. It's not like I'm gonna yell at you because we got shit in a couple days. But can you just? And then he and he denied it. So he went to wherever he went, and that got him a CFL tryout. And he goes to the CFL tryout, and he rips his hammy off the bone. Because we're talking about steroids today. What steroids do is they overdevelop the muscle and not the tendons and ligaments. And you have these humongous force-generating monsters that just rip the hammy off the bone. So the end result was... Ironically, though, because so he sent me... Because I'm talking to the players like that day it's going on and everything's going... And then I get the recap. And I looked at that. I'm just like, well, we knew this was going to happen. And then, but I'm thinking like, is now this kid is going to, I was worried about him blaming me. And then I got to be like, you know, cause what he could have done is he could have blamed me and been like, well, what did we do wrong? Well, you took steroids, but you never admitted that. So, you know, it looks bad on me when my athlete gets injured. So, I'm, but normally in the rare case that I do have an athletic injury, what I do is I reflect back and say, what did we do, you know, prior to this? What were they doing? What was their total volume load as far as, you know, positional work and skill work and strength training? And what did we change in their program from this season to last season? You're just sitting here like a crime investigator. I mean, this is what you should do if you care about your job. Um, what separates me in my opinion than other people is there's it's not most people just accept mediocrity and it's like they don't look into anything and they because of their ego or lack of knowledge or lack of caring they're not changing manipulating it's just like oh this happened and now we're going to move on and for me it's how did this happen and how do we prevent it is there anything that we could do to prevent it from happening you know again but with this case, he was like, yeah, he even, he was like, this is not, trust me, this is not your fault at all, all in caps. So that was his way of kind of fessing up. I, the amount of force it's got to take to rip a hammy off the bone. I, I've pulled my hamstring before. It's, it's a really, you know, weird kind of pain, but that's insane. Um, Sammy Sosa ripped his quad off the bone. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Um, I actually, for some reason, I did not know that. But yeah, it, it, 
Well, steroids too do get associated with injuries because I feel like it's, you know, to a sense you're almost overtraining yourself to a point where, you know, like you said, the ligaments can't handle it. Muscle growth, the muscle grows too fast and creates forces that the, the body structure can't support. So something's got to give. It's putting a, a 900 horsepower engine in a, you know, Chevy Corsica. I can't use that. That, that was my first car when 1996 from a Honda Civic. It's putting a 900 horsepower engine in a Honda Civic. We'll switch to the Civic. Um, and, and the suspension and the whole framework of the car is like, what? And we're not doing that. So the the risk reward it really does seem like you're opening yourself up to a lot of injury if you're just like oh, i'm gonna go take steroids and i'm just gonna go get ripped and i'm gonna you know like a, a nine inch increase on your vertical jump it makes you super it makes you superhuman barry bonds his head got bigger I mean, and I mean, look, oh, by the way, Barry Bonds, although I don't like him at all, I'm the biggest anti-steroid guy ever, but with the people that they're letting into the Hall of Fame right now, you got to put in Bonds, you got to put in uh, Clemens, not Sammy Sosa, because all he did was strike out or hit home runs. You have to put, you might, you, I'm, I'm anti the, like the biggest, because it's the exact opposite of what I do for a living. Uh, I'm the biggest anti-steroid guy ever, and if I'm telling you put those guys in, because I didn't want them in for like up until like the last couple years, because now there's so many cheaters in there, um, and there's verified juicers. We'll leave all the well, Jeff Bagwell. Uh, he is a name that you know he has ties to the Northeast, and there's you know I think he was like he's in, and he juiced. I know the person that he juiced with. So at this point in time, you know, why don't we throw Manny Ramirez is a no doubt. A lot of all these guys would have been all the famers before they even took the juice. So that's sorry about the side tangent. But the problem is every organization feels differently about it and how they're going to handle it. So Major League Baseball, super stringent. I don't even know the new policies. 50 games, 80 games, bang, bang. You get busted three, four times, you're banned for life. And obviously, you're not going to make it to the Hall of Fame. Whereas you look at something like the NFL, nobody gives a shit. The only people that give a shit is like, fuck, I got DeAndre Hopkins on my fantasy team and he's out six games. If he was if he was Aaron Judge, he would be have eternal shit talk on him. And I know Aaron Judge got the steroid accusations. As much as I hate the Yankees. Uh, I, he's, he's completely clean. He's the, an, an, a generational athlete and a saint. I mean, what are you, his fucking lawyer? Can I be the one that says nice things about him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, no, actually, if you want to take the next 30 seconds to say nice things about Aaron judge, please feel free. Well, we can actually, we can, we can, you know, five, four, three, two, one, say nice thing about Aaron judge. I mean, the answer is he hits bombs because he's a, he's just an he's the LeBron James genetic freak of, of baseball, and just the physics are working out great for him, and he's a monster. So that's probably now. Here's the thing: could he be juicing? Maybe, 
but Ned's professional opinion is he's probably not. He's just a he's just a freak. So, um, but anyway, with baseball, so it is in that area. It they're super anti football. No, as I said, nobody cares. So you know, oh, four games, you move on, and then basketball. I don't know how much of it goes on in basketball. NBA, you don't hear like, ah, damn, Kobe's out with that steroid suspension. I don't even know the rules. Nobody talks about it, but, I mean, all those guys, most of them are generally lazy and underweight. I mean, if anybody should be taking steroids, it should be these basketball players to speed up their injury so they stop, uh, you know, sitting out games and looking around, looking all underweight. But it's catching up. They're getting a little bit bigger than they were 10 years ago, but... Um, every sport reacts to it differently. There's not a lot of consistency. Um, it's weird. And do you, you know, the, the worst people to, to take steroids, you know, who should be the hardest on it? This is a slam dunk easy. Who should be the hardest of the, of MLB, NFL and NBA? Is that a trick question? Because I'm not, I'm not entirely positive. Who should be the hardest? I feel like football should be the hardest on it because they always preach football like player safety exactly you have guys that are almost dying on the field because of of impact and you're gonna you're gonna give so whether you want to call this netology my thought process generally and i'm sure there have been tests run on it if you measure testosterone levels in all the sports that you could ever possibly do for males you, I believe that you are going to see the highest amount of testosterone levels in professional athletes. We know that testosterone is what allows you to do the superhuman things. These guys, without being on steroids, are basically the biggest. They're designed to be able to run over and kill people. So you're already you're getting the best of the best elite genetic codes ever that are all stepping on a field and their purpose is to try and kill each other. And then you're going to feed them steroids to put that. I mean, some of those, what was the Romanowski guy from the Raiders and like the, 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 the hits and the damage and the people that he hurt permanently, you know, it just, I, I, it's beyond me that major league baseball is so stringent on it. And something like football, yes, I mean, you could hit the ball, I guess, way harder, and you could knock a guy's head off. But football, to me, it's 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 shameful that they're not making it, you know. You get busted for football for steroids, you, you should have your ban. There's your year ban, permanent ban, because you're increasing the chance of killing somebody. No, I, I agree. It's It's definitely more... Um, I guess dire, like the consequences are more dire in football, but, um, you know, all of these like long-term health ramifications and shit like that, you, you know, you think that they would be better and stuff like, you know, you, they'd either crack down on steroids or they would say that, oh, like you can either take these and get better and stuff and, and it's fine, get healthy. We, we want to maximize your health, but in a way it, they kind of just say, Hey, like, we want you to go perform on the field. And if you have to take, you know, these kind of painkillers or you have to, you know, we have to inject you with this, we're, we're fine with, with that. You know, we're fine with putting cortisone, you know, into you. We, we don't give a shit. But, you know, if you want to take steroids to try and, you know, recover faster, that's an issue. 
So I think it, in a way it kind of comes down to the fact of either like, hey, we are either going to really protect your health and we're going to make sure you get the kind of treatments and we're going to take proactive measures to make sure you don't get hurt and make sure we take care of you or hey like if you get fucked up like and you want to take steroids like go for it just as long as you're not abusing it you know that that's okay the system is broke so look and and it's a it's i'm not i don't want to say with steroids but something like i'm okay with it all goes about education, risk reward, long-term benefits and whatever, but I like I'm okay with somebody an athlete using HGH to repair from a from a recovery. It does turn in the the problem with that is it requires honest ethical people on all fronts to be able to make that decision for the athlete and there's too much money and there's too much competitiveness and there's too much on the line which is people making more money. And then the system gets abused. And then, so, like, I am I would be fine with that if it was, you know, case-by-case basis. But people can't manage the case-by-case basis and people abuse the system. So, you, you I don't think, are going to get long-term, have long-term problems using, you know, HGH one time to repair from a UCL injury. It's, the problem comes when you see the results of what happens so there's an addiction component to it and there's an abusive uh, component to it so but i feel like we're smart enough in 2022 that you probably should be able to profile somebody do they have an addictive behavior you know like i know some of my athletes well enough that would not abuse the system go in there it was needed for a situation that they were having use it one time and probably wouldn't have a problem. But I know the the psychology and I know the brain of my athlete to know, you know, if, if it's going to be something that would be good for him or bad for him based off of his psychological profile. But none of that shit's going to happen because nobody gives a shit. So, um, but they like it because, I mean, that's what it, the... It's two things with steroids. It gets everything bigger and it repairs. It's just the, the ultimate anti-inflammatory. Um, and it makes you recover fast. And But the problem is it's with steroids, it you know, blows out your prostate in your heart. Basically, all your organs, um, it attacks. It doesn't just attack muscle tissue. It's, it's all of those things. And then long term, I mean, look at the WWF. I'm a wrestling guy, product of the mid 80s. My Hulk Hogan, Junkyard Dog, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Ric Flair, all that, those guys. But <clears throat> I mean, talk about a profession where it's completely, they don't give a shit. They're, I mean, old school wrestling, not those days, but there was like the steroid era. The steroid era of WWE, it was just insane. When Rick Steiner turned into Big Papa Puff and he had a flex off with some other right head, I think it was Triple H. Um, I mean, they're not. It was literally until everybody was like, "Oh my God, look at these these their character." They became not human. They became I don't want to say superhuman, but wrestling became a bunch of cartoon characters of just just ripped up, you know, superheroes, and it was it was something else, but. When I brought that up, 
what you see is if you look like how many dub, former WWF wrestlers are living past the age of 50. And that's because of steroid, you know, massive steroid use and working that in with your alcohol, Coke, you know, every, they just destroy. I am a historian. I love watching documentaries on old wrestling and what happened and hearing stories about all the crazy stuff. Boy, that's, it was, it's better now, but, uh, it is a hard scene to, you ain't living to your 80 or 90 if you did that job because you just completely abused your body. So the problem is a long term. But what people are doing now is something, the new thing that has came out is called SARMs. So I always used it as the term SARMs. And then when we were doing this podcast, I'm like, I guess we got to learn what, what SARMs means. Uh, selective androgen receptor modulators. So those little guys. So basically this has been created. Have you heard of SARMs? I have not until today um, when we were doing our little podcast prep. But yeah, um, completely new term for me. So SARMs basically act like they bind to androgen receptors, which is the same thing that steroids do. So they're saying that you get the same benefits of steroids, but not, but they're tissue specific. Um, and it's not going to attack, you know, your other organs. So basically you get all the benefits of steroids and, but you don't have to worry about being the WWE wrestler, you know, dying of, you know, having a massive heart attack with prostate cancer. So I didn't, this was brought on to me through baseball players. So all of a sudden, I'll say, eh, seven years ago, eight years ago, Ned, you hear it of SARMs? I'm like, no, because uh, performance-enhancing drugs are not what I spend my time on, and I don't associate with uh, steroid dealers and PD dealers and everything that I think is terrible in competition. So, um, But basically, that has become a new wave uh, it's big in baseball. So the problem is they, anytime I hear like I took SARMs, what happens after that is I got hurt. So I will just, and I've heard that enough to know that uh, it probably increases the risk of injury because part of those, all those positive things about steroids is the overdevelopment of the muscles and the underdevelopment of everything else. Um, so but it's getting, it has a big buzz and people are doing it. Um, they're not illegal for like, if you have, if you're taking SARMs, it's not illegal and you can't get arrested for it. Um, but it's not, I, it has to be a ban. I'm sure it's a banned supplement, uh, but banned substance in, in the leagues. I didn't check that out. Um, uh, but the big thing is there's no research or data on the side effects because it's relatively new. So, if you want to be a lab rat and, and roll the dice and take some SARMs uh, and figure it out in 30 years. But uh, what we have learned is things that are, you know, like this, that guaranteed work. I mean, it sounds a little high risk, um, but SARMs is big. And then HGH, we talked about a little bit, but, you know, that is the same concept, artificial testosterone, and then that has long-time side effects. You can't, you get to the point where you can't produce your own testosterone, and you grow boobies. 
uh, or moobs. And I don't know. I got to say that the balls shrink. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with extended HGH use. And then test boosters. You're signing up for moobs if you get test boosters. Um, so, yeah, it is. Everybody's looking for the, the competitive edge. Everybody just doesn't want to come in and train hard. They want to cheat. Yeah, they're they're looking for the easy way out. And that's, you know, the reality of the situation is there's no such thing as an easy way out. You know, you, you have to sacrifice something. And I think it's more beneficial to sacrifice, you know, time, sweat, blood, tears, all that, you know, uh, stereotypical redundant shit when you're training as opposed to sacrificing the the size of your balls your back knee don't forget about back knee roid rage i can't even oh you want i have a roid rage story for you um but back knee i mean i i thought back knee was bad with just like protein shakes and shit like that i can't even imagine the steroid back knee but so we've been talking about the yankees a little bit um big part of my life you know not so much ned although ned you know big cubs uh, hero, folklore guy, Anthony Rizzo, great New York Yankees, one of the best. Love that guy. Love him. He, he's, oh man. Um, but we're, we're talking about steroids. So I got, well, not me personally, my dad got tickets to the last Yankee game at old Yankee stadium ever. The only problem with that is, you know, it's obviously, I believe it was end of September. I don't believe that was when they were doing the, uh, end of regular season, like, you know, October 1st, October 2nd, like they do now, but we got tickets. The only problem was, is I was playing pop Warner football, eighth grade, and we had a game. It was a uh, Saturday. I think pop Warner football was, uh, however, luckily for us, our quarterback's dad, I was not the quarterback of that team, but our quarterback's dad who was a raging steroid user, got roid rage during the game and practically assaulted an official allegedly. One of the best words in the English language, allegedly assaulted an official. And they had to call the game. So me and my parents were quite pleased because we got to leave you know, early, about an hour or two, and make the the first pitch for, you know, the last game at Yankee Stadium. So, roid rage is not the worst case scenario if you can get it to work to your advantage, but if you're actually experiencing it, uh, apparently it's not it's all cracked up to be a lot of a lot of terrible tragic events happen when you are raging. So, not a huge fan. And you never want your balls to shrink. You want like, you know, you, you want to have big elephant balls. You want to be able to, to get those, you know, cojones to, to do some shit in the world. So no one likes small balls. So the question and answer of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, we can move on to the question. I thought you were going, well, yeah, I guess we're... Um, we go from from moobs to the question and answer of the day. I thought you were gonna talk more about balls, but um, 
it is I mean, I, I, I agree with you completely on, on the balls. Yeah, 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 you know, no one likes small balls. I think everyone is in agreement. The bigger the balls, the better. So our to, to finish out our podcast, this is our 30th podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about why you, Ned, have decided to train athletes three days out of the week instead of training four days out of the week. Uh, this is a great question because when I was training with you, we would actually train four days out of the week for the most part. We do the you know the Monday Wednesday, the we do the Monday Wednesday Friday, and then Saturday we do you know a little field work, but we'd also do do a lift as well. So why have you moved to three days a week now? So you actually got that wrong. Uh, you did. So when I talk about three days a week versus four days a week, we're talking about lifting. So you lifted three days a week. And then the fourth day we did movement. Movement is, I put into the category of skill work. Um, it is necessary in the process of improving performance and speed and change of direction, all those things, but it doesn't put the load on the body the same way that, uh, you know, your classical lift does. So what I'm talking about is the I'm in college and I go to Alabama and we lift on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and it was something that I used to do because I learned from, well, Purdue. Purdue was, they would get their, their main sports in four days a week. And I didn't know any better. And then when I went to IMG, it was a, we had a blend of some came in three days and some came in four days. And then when I veered off on my own and worked with Velocity, we had three-day and four-day options. So I basically have a whole bunch of data on each one. When I used to do four days, what I found was athletes get overtrained quicker. And most of the time when you're doing four days a week, you're doing two upper body days and two leg days. Um, and doing that heavy load two days in one week, which, I mean, this goes back to people do heavy three. Heavy, you're back squatting heavy on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're just, you don't know what you're doing. And anybody that told you to do that, you don't know what you're doing. So what we found is they're, the overtraining kicked in quicker and they spent more time plateauing and recovering from, from training because recovery time slowed down. So our, the end result of our... our you know, at the end of our training season, you know, when we're looking at results, some of the results suffered because we weren't getting as much quality training time in, but we were getting in more volume, but they were getting fried quicker and not coming out of downloads quick enough. And then they get stale and, and it was just, it didn't get them feeling as fresh as they would if they were doing three. So, um, that played a part. Uh, there were more joint issues, so I was dealing. There was more. It's just more total work. It was you were more likely to get your the lower back tightness and your knee pain and and joint issues when we were doing that because every time you squat, every time you bench and clean and do this motion, I mean that puts loads on joints. Joints are. Um, are going to have to get loaded if you have muscles that are trying to produce force that are attached, you know, to, to the joint. So fle flexibility, I had more flexibility issues and this is all playing 
you know, they're overtrained, so they're getting tighter quicker, and their body's ability to get loose again decreases because they're overtrained, and their lower back is tight because they're losing their mobility and their flexibility. Um, it all works together. Um, so physiologically, it's I stopped doing four days a week because I got better results you know, doing less total volume and more quality work and picking my spots when to have to go heavy. There's times where you can go heavy. There's times where you need to do a moderate. There's times where you need to go light. There's times where you need to be off. Um, and what I'm finding is if I don't have to deadlift somebody three days a week for 12 weeks to get their deadlift to go up 50 pounds, if I can do it every 10 days, why wouldn't I do it every 10 days? If I do it every 10 days and get it up 50 pounds or do it three times a week and get it up 50 pounds, why? And I found that doing it three days a week, I never did that. But the people that do do that, they just they just get they get the initial boost and then they just plateau and they never get better. And then you see people all the time that work for a year to get five pounds more on their hang cleans. Whereas we have guys, you know, that. PR 20, 30, 50 pound, 100 pound jumps in the off season. Um, so that's all the physiological reasons why. And then here's one for you. It's hard to get people to come four days a week. So it's hard to do. It's just an extra day. It's hard to get people to come three times a week. So how do you, you know, the world wants to come two days a week or one day a week. And I make everybody come three. But once you kick the fourth day in, what I saw with people doing the four-day weeks is they a lot of the times they didn't even get four in. They only got three in. So I guess it would help in the fact that if you have four scheduled and if you miss one, you're always getting in three as opposed to doing three and then missing and then you only get two. But the problem is you're not supposed to miss. Just don't miss and then you don't have that problem and my people don't miss. Um, I'm just uh, – it's, it's quality – over quantity most of the athletes that i get in a lot of college athletes we do half the volume of what they do and they get better results so why do more and get less of a benefit when you could do less and get more yeah that that definitely makes sense especially from a math perspective you don't want to be exerting more force to to get a you know lesser result it's all about being efficient the other thing too is like it these athletes and these workouts, they don't exist in a vacuum. You know, there's other things that they're doing outside of, you know, realistically outside of, you know, the gym and, and yes, sports performance training facility. You know, they're doing other athletic things in, you know, throughout the week. So going in and, and training, you know, for strength and, and stuff like that three times a week is, is a big commitment, especially when you're doing other stuff. And collectively, athletes do too much anyways. So yes, once you work in, you know, if you're a baseball player and you're already hitting every day, you're already fielding every day, you're already playing simulated games, and now we're going to pop and the three lifts are already hard and we're planning hard to work around all the other activities that you're doing, um... This, the whole world is is basically overtrained. Four days a week has its place. So one example would be for if I'm training somebody for an NFL combine, we go four days a week. We actually go eight days a week. They do four lifts and four movement sessions with two regen sessions and, I mean, pull mobility. And, I mean, they're working out from nine to five. But a lot of it is 
we're doing all those workouts and because we're doing so many of them and you shouldn't do, they're always spending their time in between the workouts, getting massages, doing tissue work, stretching, mobility, eating, taking a nap, um, taking recovery shakes and your nutrition. And it's we're, we just enhance, we have to enhance the recovery hyperbaric chamber we're we're enhancing everything around that to accommodate the load and the big thing is when you have these guys if they go to a bowl game you're not getting them until whatever january 15th and the combine is going to hit six weeks and then their pro day is going to hit from one to three weeks later you're looking at there's a massive amount of things that we need to get done in a short window of time and in that situation um it works because you have the medical staff and the resources, <clears throat> the money, it's by whatever means necessary um, to get these guys. But they still wouldn't do that long term. If you train, try and train the combine schedule in a, tw- in a three-month period and you try and take that out 12 months out of the year, you're just going to get hurt and your performance is going to decrease because it's, it's an excessive load. But you're on a time crunch and there's a whole bunch of knowledge and results that have to happen in a short amount of time. But in most cases, three days just works. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, kind of wrapping this episode up, I know this isn't actually on the the topic list and stuff. Um, but just kind of out of curiosity when it comes to, I guess, more so professional athletes as opposed to college, because college athletes have, you know, other priorities and things that they're trying to do. Um, but from professional trying to get a guy ready for the combine, you know, trying to get a guy ready for the uh, for the MLB draft and, and stuff like that. How how many athletes have actually been able to commit to more than like three times a week? How many athletes have been able to be like, hey, like I'm going to be in here and train every day? Um, I mean, for combines, it's just mandatory. There is no you don't have an option. It's like, all right, man, here's the deal. You're getting up at nine. You're having breakfast, watching film at nine thirty. We're doing movement at 10 and their whole schedule it's like basically you just printed out your spring schedule for college and this is your time blocks these are the days but it's super condensed and filled up not like oh i got a class in the morning at 10 and one at four um everything is filled up so it's it's a non-negotiable in in that area and you know if you did do that you would get pushback from it's more accepted in football because they've done it they did it and college football and it's kind of what they know that's another thing it makes it more appropriate for them because you know they're they're going to be more acclimated to it than anybody else um and we get a response from it because they do it in college and they do it they spend all the time breaking the body down and they don't spend time on the recovery aspect so um a lot a lot of those guys they have their because what you get with most of these guys that come in, they're all banged up and they're hurt. And it's like, oh, I had ACL surgery and I had this. You're getting a mash of injuries and prior injuries. You occasionally get guys like, I've never had an injury, but that's rare. And what's happening is when these guys come in, they um, are completely banged up. And it's been shit because of overuse injuries and overtraining and not having quality performance a quality performance staff staff looking at you. Um, and the reason why they're having these problems is because of the excessive amount of work that they put in in college and then the injuries that they get and then they don't get rehab the right way. 
and then they start to compensate and then more things break down and then it's like here you go you got 10 weeks uh fix my whole body i've spent 20 years destroying it and you got to get me faster and you got to make my body so it's it's not even it's like you don't get this fresh guy it's like all right make him faster you get a project you get all the papers dumped on your desk from every asshole employee who never did his job for 20 years and there are no excuses because you're dealing with agents and and there's expectations and there's money and you have to devise a game plan to fix all of that to the best of your ability and get it to go away it's an added step which is and part of fixing all of that is the all the hours that we do around the lift and around the movement and skill work to try and get everything back in alignment and get their bodies healthy it's a shock like you you get these guys they massage is something that we always do it was like wednesday saturdays they get two massages a week um, one full tissue usually on Saturday and then superficial work on Wednesday. And I mean, you, I literally get athletes that are going to be drafted in the NFL draft who's never had a massage. And they're like, oh my God. And them getting worked on in a couple weeks. And I've never, this is amazing. I've never felt this loose before. This, I've never felt this muscle active. I've never been sore here before. And it's just, they are completely locked up and neglected and then because if you're doing nfl combine training uh i mean there's not a, if you're a big these big places 40 guy i mean what's happening now is there used to be a thousand people doing you know training 500 of your top guys and now what you have is you know five places training 200 of the guys so it's it's they and because they they're good at it their whole business there's there's a business that the that's his only business he just opens does the combine training and closes and he's a factory um and because that of that and they put so much money into it and you know the field is growing in your private sector facilities and you know everybody has a full medical team and to take care of these guys, to restore them, to get them to where they need to be. So, I mean, that's a side tangent on three days a week versus four days a week. Four days a week causes more injuries. Every All those bullet points, the knee pain, lower back pain, flexibility, mobility, all these guys come in and they're a mess. And it's not getting addressed at, at any level most of the time prior to them coming in. Yeah. No, I think that... Uh... That definitely answers the question, and I think that's a. It's good to know because I think a lot of people, at least when I was in high school, and my perspective too before I actually met you was, hey, I gotta do this every day, no days off. That's how we're gonna make it. And the reality of the situation is, is if what you're doing is gonna get you hurt, you you can't make it because you're hurt. So. Yeah. You, you used to do your four hours of cardio every day and not lose any weight. And then we did 30 minutes of cardio every day and we lost weight. That's for sure. Um, although those 30 minutes of cardio, sometimes we'd be just after we'd lift, we'd run from the, the melon heads. Ah, the melon the, head run. The melon head run. And yeah, you, you'd burn off a lot of fat quick because if you didn't burn off the fat, they, they'd get you. And that's not it's not that's not good 
Look look up the melon heads. Type in like Seymour, Connecticut or Valley melon heads. And we lived in the melon head district. There was a creepy house in the back. There was always just sketchy shit going on back there. There was like a camper and a fucking looks like somebody might have fried a cheeseburger there with like a on a grill like a week ago, but you never really saw anybody, but clearly it was almost like a community of of melon heads. Uh it was it was the talk of Seymour when when we were there. Fucking weird place, man. Yeah, you you got to keep your head on a swivel when you're going out for a run there. Um the the new NES sports performance facility much nicer. Zero melon heads around that facility. Um but yeah, or, or crackheads. Or crackheads. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes they are uh, one in the same, the melon heads and the crackheads. But before we go, we just want to give a shout out to Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, he is ranked 26th out of 1,020 tight ends. Uh, I guess I, for for an RAS rating, I have to be completely honest. I don't. Oh, it's relative athletic score. I lied. I know what that acronym is. We live in a world of acronyms. It's important to know what acronyms are. Relative athletic score, 9.75. 26 out of 1,020 tight ends from 1987 to 2023 that's this year uh you know hopefully luke uh luke's get that bag in the the nfl draft and we're we're looking forward to to seeing what he does in the future great michigan tight end and uh yeah nes athlete hamden hall athlete great guy i threw it with uh i threw to him uh, a couple of times back in the day so uh good stuff shout out to him it's the NES experience. <laughs>